Welcome. Now, my name is D. Ludlow. Now, before we get into this episode, go to the description, click the link and get your M&A Mastery Toolkit. This is a free download, which gives you some of the tools and resources that you need to start your M&A journey. Don't forget, go to the description, click the link. It's a free download and enjoy the episode. So uh, thanks for coming on the podcast. Um, obviously, we spoke previously about various different things, but the one subject that I wanted to cover and I think is quite important at the moment um, is the whole tax around crypto. I see a lot of people jumping into the space. Um, so yeah, so basically the HMRC, one of the first countries to introduce tax on crypto assets. And yeah. the fact that Coinbase, which is pretty much one of the most well-known exchanges, handed over data to HMRC back in October last year. I want to get you on the podcast mainly so we could have this conversation around the topic and hopefully help some people to understand the implications. So could you break down what people should be doing or should be aware of if they have sold and made gains and sort of sort of have reached the capital gains threshold when it comes to crypto or overall? Yeah, hundred percent. So the main thing to bear in mind is that crypto, when you're making a gain on that, it doesn't have to be a gain. It's with cryptocurrency, it's basically when you dispose of it. And it's quite interesting how to HMRC look at the disposal. So whether that's whether you cash out, go back to Sterling, or even when you pay for something using any form of cryptocurrency, that's treated as a disposal. So say, for instance, you pay for services, you pay for a new car, you pay for anything online, essentially using cryptocurrency, that's treated as a disposal when you do that. So a lot of people will be buying stuff using cryptocurrencies and they're not aware at all that that's treated as a disposal, which ultimately means there's going to be some capital gains tax to pay depending on the gain you've got on your other capital gains. So I suppose the first place to start there really would be how are cryptocurrencies taxed in the UK? Mm. So for the vast majority of people, they're going to be taxed um, as a capital gain, essentially. So using your capital gains, you got your capital gains annual exempt amount of 12,300 each tax year. So you can make gains up to that without any tax to pay. Anything over and above that, you're going to be paying tax at 10 or 20% depending on your income. So the only time it's going to be trading income, which is when you pay income tax, national insurance, if you are doing it on a massively organized scale, you're buying, selling, um, it's got to be a lot of volume to go through there in order to convince HMRC it is a trade. HMRC aren't going to want to do it as a trade simply because cryptocurrencies they're very volatile a lot of people make losses um so if it was a trade what you'll be able to do is actually offset that against your other income hmrc don't want that because then if say for instance you've got a twenty thousand pound crypto loss you offset against that your, your salary income you're going to get some tax back so they want to try and keep it capital yeah so obviously crypto is the hot topic at the moment it has been over the last six to eight months you know there's been floods yeah. of retail investors coming into the market and a lot of them are probably thinking you know i can make some easy money some of them have doubled their money fairly quickly um but you know a crypto exchange is in a tax haven so um josh could you also like clear this one up for me so um disposal of crypto as i've read yeah. includes selling crypto assets for money exchanging crypto assets um, for a different type of crypto asset using crypto assets to pay for goods and services and yep. giving away crypto assets to another person. So obviously <clears throat> this depends on the price of disposal from the price of acquisition. So do you think this is something that the HMRC will be focusing on due to all the interest in the space going forward? Do you think they're going to be clamping down on it or have they already started clamping down on it? What's, what's your take on all of that? Yeah, 100% at the moment, HMRC are going to be looking at this 
um, you know, of all of these kind of coronavirus, um, bounce back loans, all this kind of stuff, the government are going to be looking to get as much money as they can from where they can. And given the massive influence um, in cryptocurrencies, the record prices and things like that, it's a no-brainer for them to set up a dedicated task force for cryptocurrency. And they're going to go after all of these different kind of coin exchanges and try and leverage information out of them. Um, you, you said just last year um, in October, um, so they announced, they gave some information to the tax authorities. That's going to be a repeated thing that's going to happen time and time again, especially similar things will be happening in other countries. And everyone's going to be sharing this information with everybody. So whether you've, what, what um, purchases and what disposals have happened, it's there in black and white. It can be traced back to you in the vast majority of instances. So there's a clear paper trail where the money's gone, where it comes from. And ultimately, HMRC can use that to say, hang on a minute, here's some tax that's missing. So if you were to set up, say, a crypto trading business, would you then be liable to capital gains, income tax, corporation tax, etc.? How would that work if you were to, rather than, um, look, rather than get, have personal gains, if you could set yeah. up a, like a trading side of a crypto business? Yes, yeah, so if you set up a limited company, so if you set up a new limited company to invest in cryptocurrency, all the gains there, it'd still be for the vast majority of people, it would still be um, capital gains, it'd be taxed and it'd be a chargeable gain. But in a company, you still pay corporation tax at 19%. So, yeah, you could do that for a limited company. And then, when you wanted to draw the money out, that's when you pay the income tax, national insurance, things like that. Um, so, that might be one of the better ways to do, do it simply because when you've got a limited company especially kind of people like yourself based overseas that's where there are tax opportunities because cryptocurrency is taxed where you're resident so if you're non-resident not resident in the uk the uk can't tax you as you're an overseas resident right so what do you think the most tax efficient way is to buy and sell crypto now obviously this space is only going to get bigger yeah i'd say it really does depend on your intentions similar to the kind of property really if you're a retail investor you want to put 10 20 grand into it for that, you're probably better off doing that in your own name, paying capital gains tax when it comes to sell it. You've got your capital gains and your exempt amount. For a basic rate taxpayer, they're going to be paying tax at 20% and then 20%, um, 10%, and then 20% as they're a higher rate taxpayer. But if you are looking to put serious money in, hundreds of thousands, millions um, in the, the investment side of it, that's when you would be better off looking to take that overseas, have an overseas resident company in somewhere where there's a low corporation tax jurisdiction, similar to to buy countries like that, where you can actually hold it over there, run the company there, and as a result, you won't pay any tax. So let's say um, I held, I said I purchased crypto in the UK, um, yeah. I've now come to say Dubai, um, you become resident in another jurisdiction, and you transfer the crypto assets from an exchange um, where you've originally purchased from an IP address in the UK and then drew it down in another country, what's the tax implications there? So none. Essentially, as long as you can even leave it on that UK-based exchange, because it's essentially taxed where you're resident. So mm -hmm. as a you're formerly UK resident, you would have to stay a non-UK resident for five years because there's some rules that basically stop people um, leaving the UK, going overseas for a year, disposing of all of their assets, um, making large capital gains, doing a tax haven, then coming back to the UK. So in order to get that favourable tax treatment, you need to stay UK non-resident for five years. And then there'd be no UK tax implications at all. You can back year six, you could have sold a million pounds worth of crypto, um, depending on what the capital gains tax regime and how crypto is taxed in the country of which you're resident, 
to buy it's probably zero percent tax over there um you can make a million pound gain and come back to the uk and there's no tax implications whatsoever hmm. sounds good um so um <laughs> could you um gift crypto to a family member so an actual gift without any tax no so with with a gift so unless it's to uh, your spouse or civil partner unless you're married essentially and you benefit from that no gain no loss spousal exemption which applies any gift you make is potentially going to be chargeable so you'd have to make sure that this is under the capital gains annual exempt amount twelve thousand three hundred. any amounts over and above this you should be paying capital gains tax on this if you were to say lose your private key, you can't access any of your crypto assets, but they still exist. Would the HMRC then allow you to sort of crystallize the losses um, as there was technically no disposal of the crypto asset? I think in that one, it depends really on what reasonable efforts you've made. So if you could prove that they are lost, you should be able to. But this is kind of one of those areas where there's not much on it yet. It's all still very new. HMRC are basing this on old legislation that applies to share disposals. So at the moment, there's nothing in writing that confirms that that will be the case. But as the kind of tax legislation develops and HMRC do get more interested in this, it's only a matter of time before they have to allow things like that to happen. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people hold, um, say, different cryptos on different exchanges. And, um, you know, there's a software called Coinly that basically automates your taxes for you. You can link them all together, sync your transaction history. Do you think, because this is fairly new, that that's probably the best way for crypto investors to sort of work out that what taxes, you know, that they need to pay or what taxes are due on their crypto assets rather than go to say an accountant or a bookkeeper, or do you think it's still good to go straight to an accountant or bookkeeper to, to work it out manually? What, what would you say is the best thing? Yeah, to I think to be honest, with cryptocurrency, as long as you've got those detailed records, the only time it's going to get a bit complicated is with capital gains tax, essentially where you buy multiple different, uh, where you buy coins at different stages. So you have different prices for capital gains tax. What happens is they will get pulled together. So say for instance, you brought Bitcoin five years ago when it was a thousand pounds. And now you brought 10 more now when it's 10,000 pounds. What happens is for capital gains tax purposes, because we can't actually allocate which coin was sold when we make a pull out of them. And then you basically take the average purchase price and that's how we calculate the disposal. So as long as you're aware of that, um, I'm not sure if Coinly does that for you. Mm. Um, that's the most complicated bit out of it. But if you've got those records there with this, if you, unless you've made significant gains, there's probably no need to get an accountant to do it for you because as long as you've got those records, you know about the pooling side of it, you should be okay doing it yourself. So apart from say like Coinbase giving the data over to the HMRC, um, how, cause there's so many exchanges out there from all over the world. How, how, how do you think HMRC are going to be able to sort of track all of these transactions? It's, pro it's probably going to take them years. Now I'm not going to, I don't think they're going to yeah. forget about it, but how do you think they're going to be able to track all of these transactions from all these different exchanges? Cause some may not want to hand the data over. Yeah. I suppose in those cases, this is probably where they'd with cryptocurrencies, all the media, um, when kind of HMRC, they'll play on the fact that it's being used by criminal organizations. So that's how they're going to get their foot in the door by saying that, you know, terrorist organization is being used for money laundering. As soon as they can get in from that angle and kind of get a subpoena or get something there where they're requesting evidence, people who are just using it on an investment basis, they're going to be caught up within that. So that's how they're going to get through it. Um, basically say that it's being used for money laundering. Mm. They'll be able to get a court order to get their records. 
Um, but yeah, like you say, it is going to take time. So it will be a couple of years before HMRC really are going after this and the people that are making disposals now um, get in the limelight and basically get stung with some unexpected tax bills. Yeah. So let's say you used to trade CFDs, you know, like spread betting is exempt from capital gains, as from, yeah. from my knowledge. Um, so would there be any tax implications at all if you were just to trade crypto from a spread betting way? No, because, yeah, with spread bet, you don't actually ever own the option. You don't actually own the asset. Mm. So, yeah, HMRC have said that they don't tax uh, cryptocurrencies as gambling. They don't recognize it as that. So they do tax it as capital assets. So if you were to do it that way, where basically... It's, it's spread betting, it's a form of gambling. When you're doing it like that, there's no tax implications at, at stake. So if you did want to do it from a tax point of view, that's the way to do it. But then obviously that's more risky. It's kind of completely different. You actually own the asset. Yeah. So what's, if, I, if I had to say to you, you know, look, what's your advice for people now who are very new to sort of crypto and stuff and they're, they're buying and selling at will, taking profit on a weekly basis because of the huge moves and stuff. What sort of things should people, how should people be positioning themselves right now if that's what they're doing? Yeah, so it's just a, a case of making sure that you've got good quality records with all of the purchase prices, disposal prices, all the numbers, um, the pound value at each time. So when you're buying more, selling more, make sure you've got the sterling pound record. And then most importantly, Get yourself registered for self-assessment because if you've got more than 12,300 in gains you will have tax to pay so if you do it now there's gonna be no penalties interest whereas later on down the line when hmrc pursue this more they're going to look to put penalties on there they're going to look to charge interest so getting your affairs in order now is going to be the best way to do it yeah definitely so josh i know you're, you're predominantly like a property accountant you know you, you specialize in the property world you're very well known in the property world so what tax changes should investors be aware of from here going forward? Because I know there's been a lot of talks, um, especially recently on one recuperating all the sort of stimulus that's been done. And, you yeah. know, there's a lot of changes in that space. So what's like, what sort of things do you think investors should be aware of um, going forward? Yes, there's a lot of talk of kind of a whole host of different tax changes, whether that's capital gains tax or looking at changing that to make it mirror income tax. So the rates would be kind of 20, 40, 45%. They're looking at potentially scrapping the annual exemption that we just spoke about that 12,300 pound breathing room when you're making capital disposals, that might be withdrawn. And also corporation tax as well, they're looking at increasing that. So essentially all the different taxes that people pay um, are at risk and they are looking at increasing them one way or the other. So the best thing to do at the moment would just be to make sure that everything is in the best possible structure. So if you are looking at putting properties into a limited company, it's now the best time to do it. If you are looking at maybe selling your business over the next couple of years or making a large cap, maybe you, you, you know, you've got your cryptocurrency portfolio, you're happy with it, you're looking at cashing out at some time soon, maybe look at bringing that forward because at the end of the day, you know, a bird in the hand is better than one in the bush. Um, so getting those gains now, making sure that you're going to pay your 10, 20% tax on it rather than what might be 20, 40, 45% next year. It's just a case of looking at what you want to do and seeing if you can fit it up to meet the certainty that we've got now in terms of the tax. Yeah. Also, Josh, there's a question that, um, you know, you're, you're probably one of the most up-to-date um, accountants that I you see online you know you if something comes out you're first at it father taxmas i love all of it i love what you're doing um you're very relevant and you, you stay on top of the game more than most and um so i'd like to get your thoughts on on something that could happen so we talk you've probably seen you know the central bank digital currencies coming forward now um 
there's going to be a lot of automation involved. Um, yeah. say, um, you know, the tax automation comes in in the next 18 to 24 months straight from the central bank. It's sort of no HMRC becomes less relevant. So what position does that put um, accountants? Obviously, there's still going to be a place for accountants, but what, what sort of how would you sort of adapt and shift in that situation if you didn't have to sort of, um, you know, compensate back and forth with the HMRC? Yeah, I suppose in that, it'd just be the quality of the advice. Because if all of the tax, I suppose realistically, you have zero QuickBooks, a lot of the year-end stuff and the actual statutory stuff, corporation tax, all of that's the kind of nuts and bolts of it is heavily computer-driven at the moment. So it's just looking at things and making sure that the computers and the systems are working in the best possible way. So even with this kind of digitalization, there's still going to be opportunities. No system's ever going to be perfect. And ultimately a good accountant is going to basically find the holes in those find the holes in those systems to use it to your advantage to make sure that you're paying the least amount of tax and keeping as much of your cash as possible so i think that's where the good accountants and tax advisors will stay in place um, but all the people that kind of do it as a hobby and aren't serious about it not the, the top of their game they'll be extinct also i was going to say you know when people first start buying property um you know they're sort of told like look if they ask questions around tax and stuff, they sort of get told like, you know, you don't need to ask these questions yet if you don't own any property, but it's always good to be aware, plan ahead and don't become yeah. a victim and understand what you're doing. So, and I do understand people do set up, you know, with an accountant and then they don't end up purchasing any property. What would you say for like a newbie investor who's who wants to start purchasing property? How could, how, what's the best way for them to position themselves from a point of view when talking to an accountant and at what stage would they want to sort of, yeah, use an accountant for their advantage? Yeah, yeah. I'd say when you're first starting out, just to make sure that you've got the best possible structure in place, definitely speak with an accountant, even if it means paying a couple of hundred pounds for a consultation, just to get that solid advice, make sure you've got the best possible structure in place, especially with company setups now, you've got kind of different share classes, group structures, so many different things that could come into it. Whereas if you just set up a limited company yourself now, buy 10 properties, it might be buying 10 properties in a year. Kind of, a few people could quite easily do that. When it gets into the year and you think, ah, crap, I need an accountant, it's going to be a lot more expensive if you then say, hang on a minute, I've got a service accommodation business over here, I've got a crypto business here. And realistically, they all should have been in a much better structure from a company um, systems point of view and maybe different share classes as well. It's going to be a lot more expensive to do that then than it would be if you'd had that consultation to start with, got an idea of what kind of structure you should be in so that when you start doing this, you're fully aware of, of what's going on. But then also in terms of when to get an accountant, as soon as you're purchasing your first property, that's when we say, come aboard of us. As soon as you've got that property in mind, we can help get the company set up and talk you through what you need to know. So also you're like a very young, successful guy. You know, you also invest in property. Um, like I said, you're, you're the most relevant um, tax advisor or accountant um, I see that's active as well. What sort of things have, has been your drive to do it at such a young age? And what advice would you give to other people that may be lacking a bit of self-belief? Yeah, 100%. I suppose the main thing really is well, why I did my main drive is just I hated working for somebody else, especially accountancy. It tends to be really quite boring when I was working in practice at these other firms. Um, no radio on. You you know, you didn't have a fun time in the office. All you heard was just keyboards tapping all day. That's not how we do things, and it doesn't need to be like that. So that's mm. the main thing is that each day I just want to be having fun. Mm. Um, so that's what we drive for. And in terms of what to do if you are lacking that self-belief, just believe that it's impossible. 
uh, is possible, not impossible, because that's the first thing, really. As soon as you conquer that mindset and actually think, hang on a minute, I can do this. This is possible. Um, that's the hardest thing to get over. Think, okay, yeah, oh, how do I make six figures? Once you actually put that um, down, you think, okay, yeah, that's, that's only actually 80 clients or so. Mm. Once you break it down into steps, you see how really it becomes small digestible tasks and kind of goals that are easily achievable, which do feed in to a kind of a big, um, a kind of a big, t- big kind of goal or target that might look daunting at first. Yeah. So being a, a property investor yourself, um, what are you are you doing anything different, or how are you positioning yourself for these different changes that are coming in, um, which maybe other people could take from you? Yeah. So at the moment, I'm not really doing anything differently at the moment. All of my uh, properties, in limited company wrapper as well. Um, but we've got that group structure set up. So one of my businesses, JSM Partners, an accountancy firm, um, you know, it generates profits and we use that to buy properties. So that goes through our group structure. Um, so it gets paid as a dividend to that group structure and then goes down as a loan to the asset holding vehicle. So we've got that group structure set up already. Um, and from a tax point of view, that's still going to be the most tax efficient way of doing it, even with these potential tax changes that are coming up. Also, do you think then that... Um people that may run, you know, a, a pretty successful business, do you think uh, it's better for them to any profits to maybe buy crypto assets, stocks, property and stuff within the same business? Or is there a, a you know, a, a creative structural way to do that differently? Yeah, so things like that is usually best to separate out. Um, There's quite a few different reasons why VAT potentially, especially if you start buying property, risk mitigation. If you've got a trading business, end of the day, you've got some kind of risk there. If I give out terrible tax advice one day, someone might sue me over and above our insurance limit. If I've got all of my cryptocurrencies and my properties and everything all in this one company, all of that's at risk. So you might potentially lose it all. Right. Okay, so what's your plans um, for 2021 and beyond? Because you're a very hungry, young individual who's always doing something and you're always active. Yeah, so for this year, we're just about growth, really. We want to buy more properties. Um, the accounting practice, we're almost at capacity. I don't want to grow this to a massive thing because at the end of the day, there are kind of bigger opportunities out there from, from a kind of business point of view. So this year, we actually are focusing more on helping other accountants grow their businesses, fully understand social media because so many accountants don't actually know what social media is. So that's what we're doing is the accounting practice is almost almost full, we've almost reached our limit and we're quite happy with that. So we're not working with loads of people. We've got a good sized client base that we work with, we do fantastic work, give great service to. And then on top of that, we're working with other accountants to help them grow their business. Yeah, because I was having dinner with another uh, property investor the other night and we was talking about um, you know, how relevant you are on social media. And like she was saying how she she, she recommends you to loads of different people <laughs> just because of your presence online. Do you think that's the difference between, apart, obviously good advice aside, do you think the difference between you and other accountants is because you're very active, you obviously got a good team behind you because you, you, you put time into your online presence. Do you think that's the difference? Yeah, absolutely. 100%. I speak to other accountants and they're saying, yeah, they're pumping tens of thousands into all these different advertising programs and things like that. I'm thinking, I think last year we must have not including our own time because with content, that's the biggest thing is online presence is just about time investment, but in actual cash spent, we probably spent about 50 quid on advertising. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you see other accountants that, you know, they're putting loads of money into this stuff that's not really working. They're sp- their cost per client acquisitions kind of 500 pounds and silly amounts like that. And mm. we're thinking, hang on a minute. 
um, we're just putting time into this and you as a result of that people know you more um, they see your content they like you more so you have stronger and better relationships with your clients so absolutely giving out great content all online is the way to go for most businesses these days especially service-based businesses so um, from a business and mindset point of view if you could recommend three books to uh, somebody right now that could um, change the way they think and potentially yeah. some value what would they be yeah so four hour work week is definitely definitely up there it's probably one of the first books i actually read and thought hang on yeah it's working four hours a week actually sounds pretty good not quite got there just yet um, <laughs> but i don't think I'd, i don't think i'd actually want to work just four hours a week yeah. um but the, the the concepts and the principles there are definitely second to none yeah. uh, and also raving fans is a really good book for anyone that's in a in a kind of service-based industry where you're dealing with customers definitely mm. read that and, and adopt that um, and then what would the second be? It's a book I read recently, um, Relentless by Tim Grover. And basically he used to be um, kind of my, used to be a coach for Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, people like all the big NBA players. And it's just about how they think differently. You know, they don't want to just win one, one league. They don't just turn up for one training practice there. The way they think is differently and they're basically in it to win it. And that's how we should be in business if we really do want to go to the next level. And you also, I feel that you're, you're quite a strategic thinker as well, the way you think of stuff. So I, I've, I've got a question. I've asked a few of my guests before. And I'm yeah. not sure. I think Tim Ferriss, um, now you mentioned this, but I think I first shared it on his podcast. If you could put, um, if there was a, a billboard up in the middle of, say, central London or Times Square or somewhere like that, and you could think of one thing or a sentence to put on the board that people would walk past and it could potentially change their life or make their day, what would it say? Yeah. Yeah, at the moment, I've been kind of reading a lot of Grant Cardone stuff. Mm. So it literally just be, who's got your money? That's, yeah. over the past couple of weeks, that's just been my mantra, um, especially especially since the new year. So literally, <laughs> like, who's got your, no matter what you're doing at the moment, just thinking, okay, you want more clients, you want more money, ultimately, that's what it comes down to. It's just about thinking, yeah, who's got your money? Now go get in front of them, go speak to them and get your money. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that. So, um, Josh, how can, um, is obviously a quick fire interview, um, covered quite a lot there quite quickly. Um, but yeah, um, how can people contact you online? Um, if, you know, if they want to talk about anything to do with like crypto tax or property tax, yeah. however it is, how can they connect? Yeah, so Facebook, Joshua Tharby, Instagram, um, YouTube, go, yeah, Joshua Tharby YouTube channel, um, Clubhouse now even, mm. um, my email address for anybody that's joshua at jsmpartners.co.uk, send me an email, more than happy to have a chat and make sure you go give me a follow on the social media. Wicked. And if you don't recognize him because he's in a Santa suit, it's, it is still him. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, mate. Really appreciate your time. I know you're busy. Um, thanks a lot for your time today, mate. Yeah, you're welcome. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, mate. See you soon. Cheers. Bye. Bye.